Let's go, uh, today we're going to um, look at the Magnificat, Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 46. Remember, we, we set this up at some length. The good news that Jesus was coming into the world was also the ruination of Mary's life. Being the conduit for, for God is um, an amazing honor, and she is somebody who we should be honoring. As I said, the, uh, I think the Catholics honored her so much that when the Protestants came along, they thought, let's never mention her. You know, there, there are a lot of ground there in the middle uh, to show respect. And here's a woman who would, her own children did not believe the story, which would mean that the people in the villages did not at all. I don't know of any historian who says that Joseph left them. We just know he disappeared. Uh, most likely he died because men did that. You know, they got sick, they got injured, they died. But it is, it's just the thought, now she's on her own with grown children, some of whom do not believe the story, at least the sons did not believe the story. I find that actually very significant. The sons did not. The sons somehow did not form a community with their mother. They had formed it more with the society at large, with the, the men, because the men did that. The girls believed their mom, but um, you know the neighbors didn't. It was going to be difficult for her, and then she's going to have to watch him die. And that's, I, I just can't, can't even be there. Yes, Albert. Uh, is it possible that... Uh the sons and daughters that she had were by him before he died? Is that your opinion or what? And my opinion is yes, that, yes. that those, um, that's actually a good question because there are people that will say, well, that word for brothers and sisters is the same word for cousins. No, it isn't. Just stop it. Um, there are those who believe and they're trying, what they're trying to do is protect um, a doctrine which started in the medieval age that Mary was a virgin forever. And so they'll say, no, these brothers and sisters were from an earlier marriage with Joseph. Possible? Yeah, possible. Likely? Not very. Um, I don't know why and how, actually I do know some more about it. There's, there's a, um, a very terrifying book called Vicars of Christ, which show the way that this doctrine developed. Um, where all sex was evil unless you're trying to make a baby and even then it better be done, you know, just don't enjoy yourselves. You know, and I'm going, um, wow, what a, what a perversion there. But therefore, to be a holy person, you can't have anything to do with it. And that's what started the unmarried, yes. um, unmarried clergy and the like. But regardless, Mary is somebody to be honored. And she also was a person of some education. And we don't get that information from anywhere but Luke. Because Luke interviewed Mary. He stuck around, he heard, he's the only gospel that writes down what Mary was thinking and who was in the room and what was said. And the only way he can do that is to go back to source material. He, um, he did that with a few people, but Mary is the big one. And I want us to look at the Magnificat and, and uh, Albert, I'm gonna lean on you some here because she knows so much about the Old Testament and the prophecies yes. that you wouldn't have thought 
a young girl, remember, you know, I don't want to freak anybody out, but we're really looking at a 13 to 15 year old. Some say younger, I'm, I'm not going to go there. This was, this was a young lady. Um, she had some serious knowledge. Her mom and dad, I wish I'd gotten to know them because I had the feeling they taught her. Somebody did. We'll start. My soul glorifies the Lord. Oh, by the way, you know what the name for the prayer is traditionally? The Magnificat. The Magnificat. That's right. So that's what you look it up for. And there are songs around it. Uh, we will sing one of those in the Advent season, I'm sure. Um, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Um, there are no punctuation marks in Hebrew or Greek at this stage, but I'm going to stop there. Knowing that there's going to be this shadow on her life, she is grateful that God chose her for the task. Please, anytime. Is it possible that when Gabriel told her that the Holy Spirit was going to be with her in this, that likewise that Spirit could have informed her of some of these things, as, which gives a greater context to the whole ordeal. It's just amazing. Well, uh, uh, yes, is it possible? Absolutely. Um, and we do tend to think episodically about our stories. And we need to back away from this a little bit. An angel appeared and told her this. And we add a bit to the story because we're Westerners. We have stories that have story arcs. And so the angel came, announced this, and here's what we add. Poof, he was gone. We don't know, but the angel stayed there for hours, working with her, talking to her. And it would give us um, a little bit more reason for her to be able to put this in such a logical, well-informed perspective. There's also the other, and I'm, you may have been asking this, um, in John chapters 14, 15, 16, Jesus tells the apostles not to be concerned that he is leaving because the Holy Spirit will be with them, and one of the things the Holy Spirit will do is remind them of everything he taught. Is that where you were going with that? That's correct. Okay. That's included. Mm -hmm. So it could have been a miraculous, but I have a feeling that it's not an either or, that God spent time with Mary during this. See, I'm, I, I'm confident that the, I've said before, I believe that the Logos entered her body mm -hmm. and with the Holy Spirit and her physicalness, Jesus emerges, uh, and, and uh, this, the Holy Spirit obviously has quite a bit to do about all that. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's fun, just think about it, Jesus looked like his mom. He didn't have any genetic material from Joseph, he looked like his mom. Please get your head around that, because a lot of people, and male-dominated societies have been the rule. Um, and I'm not going to preach at you about that because I believe you can swing so far and get off in the weeds. But God has always honored women and gone out of his way to honor the ones that nobody else would, which is amazing to me. And I don't know how we missed it for uh, literally thousands of years, some of us. It... Um, it really gets to me that Jesus would have grown up and everybody would say he looks like his mom. That's pretty cool. Well, my, uh, he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Now that one, 
I'm not really sure of where to go with that one, Albert. Do you have a, you know, it's, and I guess what she may be saying is, he has chosen me uh, and he knows I will say yes. I hear similar, I hear similar emotion. I sense it from a number of the prophets. Okay, and that's so, interesting. Um, it was, it's in that same kind of a setting that this, some of this information comes to her. Another point is, you talk about women, look what Eve says as one of the chapters in Genesis closes, God has given me another when Seth was born. Mm -hmm. And so uh, from that point, there was an arrangement between God and Eve that is very significant for all of history. It, it really is. And uh, I, I have a very, very high view of women. They're the only people that can usher a new human onto the planet, for goodness sake. Yeah, I mean, we, right. we, need to, right. we need to reset our brains. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now, when I was a boy, they would, we'd go to the Beatitudes, and they would say, every time it says blessed, that word means happy. No, it doesn't. <laughs> That's right. No, it doesn't. And, and who was the... Um, um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He was huge. He had the Crystal Cathedral and such for years in America. But he even wrote, Shuler, Robert Shuler wrote a book in the 80s called the Be Happy Attitudes on the Beatitudes. And I'm going, nope. That's, you can be joyful and not happy. All right. Um, hardest thing I do every day is get out of bed. I have to because I can't sleep as much anymore for some reason. You know, and I'm going, oh. and then you get out of bed and you're going, oh, it's just, I'm not happy at that stage, but I'm joyful at the gifts in my life. You know, my, Cammie and I were talking, I think it was the day before yesterday. I said, sweetie, my, the warranty's gone, but you might want to try to trade me in anyway. And she goes, well, my warranty's out as well. She said, we're both falling apart. And I said, the good news is my parts that are falling apart aren't the parts that you, so put us together, we're one human being. Uh, we're still fairly functional um, I'm joyful even in the journey and that's the thing she was joyful at the beginning of it she said they will call me blessed it doesn't mean happy it means one upon whom God has shown favor and and look how her cousin honors her by the Holy Spirit yes there's a classic illustration of that. Yeah, the, the, um, we, we covered that the last time, and that, that whole leaping of the baby. Yes. You know, the Holy Spirit was in, in John already. Whew, so many wonderful things. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Would you look at verse 49 again? I want you to notice past tense. She believes God's in charge of history. He's got this. God has done this. Um, you know, she believes that the baby is, is what God said it would be. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. I want to stop again. Um, the angels. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And that's where the translation issue becomes an, a, a real problem. And I'm going to let, I don't, I don't do Greek. You know, I, I, I know people. <laughs> so I call people. 
I love the fact that God approaches a, a, a world which is a hundred times worse than anything this planet is right now. And his opening lines are peace on earth, goodwill toward men or mankind. And it's the next phrase. So, um, some translations say um, goodwill toward men that he finds pleasing or he likes others because he likes to, in other words, is he asking, is he saying peace only to one group or to all? And it's according to how you phrase it. I, I believe that the Greek term there is for all, as I remember it. I think so. That's what I've always thought. But it, like I said, it's a, it's a progression that moves out like a wave in the water. Generation yes, under generation, yes, as yes. she says. So this is our news too, his mercy. Now, think about that. The mighty one has arrived with mercy. That's so not normal. It isn't when a mighty person comes to what we expect laws and wars and certain, right? No, God's power is in his mercy. Now, years ago, if you ever saw Schindler's List, they, uh, Schindler tried to impress a particular Nazi uh, officer that it was more powerful to forgive than to kill. Do you remember that scene? It didn't last for a little bit. He tried it and it was powerful. And so he tried it again, but he was, you know, I forgive you, but he wasn't from the heart. He was doing it to manipulate. And then when he realized, well, it's just quicker, he just shoots. It is hard to be merciful. And God says, and she says, the mighty ones arrived with mercy. Contrast that with how Christians have treated people through the generations. Did we show up with mercy or did we show up with judgment? As Ron said during his statement, we don't want to lock the doors. We invite sinners in because we are sinners too. We all need him. Yes, please. In that last moment before his throne, the only thing that I look for is his mercy. Oh, yes. Grace is what he gives us that we do not deserve, and mercy is what he does not give us that we do deserve. All right, that's new. Hang on. Say that again. Grace is God's gift to us of what we do not deserve, and mercy is what he does not. In other words, because of his mercy, we are not punished. Okay, uh, and again, on stage, we actually don't hear the new speakers really well. Out there, it's gotten a lot better. So, because that last sentence yes, said, mercy, because of his mercy, he does not give us what we do deserve, and that would be punishment. Oh, oh, now I got you. All right. Yeah, you're right. I was told this growing up, and I don't think they really meant it as literally as we took it, but maybe they did. They said grace is how far God will, you know, coming all the way to here, you would deserve, but you don't deserve. But if you come as far as you can, God's grace will reach for you. But if you don't, his arm won't go get you. And, and so we were told you had to do the best you could do. Anybody done the best they could do? Anybody, anybody. Uh, no, no, you can't. One of the greatest horrible things anybody ever said about me when I was a boy, they would turn to my parents and say, he has such potential. Oh, don't do that to a kid. Because you know what's coming next. But he's not living up to it. Fair enough, never have yet. 
in any aspect of my life, I don't want to not live up to it. It's just we are gifted at not lifting up to potential. And so grace and mercy bridge the gap. Uh, grace reaches us and mercy removes the penalty. And so thank you. For, and thank you for being patient with me. If you stand up here, you'll actually hear booming and such. We could fix it. But to do that, we would have to put acoustic panels on the back wall and it wouldn't look pretty anymore. And it would deaden a bit of the sound of the do singing. Do not do that. Yeah, yes. yeah. And so I, I told the guys, I said, no, we on the stage will learn to live with what we're hearing on the stage. Uh, because out there, doesn't it sound much better? It does. Uh, unless you didn't want to understand this, then fair enough. Um, he has performed, oh, were you about to say? Oh. Uh, he's performed mighty deeds with his arm. Again, the only thing we're seeing so far is mercy. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Again, in the Magnificat, she speaks of the future as if it's already happened. That's the kind of faith she has. Miss, she's a girl. And you can say she's a girl that saw the angel and talked to the Holy Spirit. Got it. Got it. She's a girl. I can tell you right now, I've been working for, for Jesus for decades and decades and decades. And there are some of my prayers aren't nearly as full of confidence as this. So, and she's just a, and I'm not saying like a girl as opposed to a boy. She's young is what I'm saying. Yes, yes. She's just young. And yet her faith is staggering. He has scattered those proud in their inmost heart. He's brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. If you don't get that, that's Mary praying against Herod. That's her praying against the false Jew. Uh, Herod liked to pretend he was Jewish. He had some Jewish connections, but not enough to be, but he, he pretended to be pious. At the same time, he killed members of his own family on whims. He was one of the most evil beings there. And she knows that Herod is not going to accept this boy. He's not going to be comfortable with this boy being alive. And so she already is saying, he's coming down. He's going down, because my boy will get you. <laughs> yes. Could this also account for the arrogance of the Sanhedrin and what they had come to think about God, to rewrite who God is with a tradition that never was what Moses taught? Yeah, I, yes, I think I know what you're going there. They had made real, uh, God controllable through a set of ordinances and rules. Right. Now, I want you to think about that for a while. I, I may do a sermon on this one time because I've already got all the slides and such. I've studied this over the years. So I'm just going to do this very briefly. There are cargo cults in the South Pacific Sea. What happened was you have islands there that were in the Stone Age. And then World War II happened. And all of a sudden, metal ships came, is like third and close encounters of the third kind to them. Showed up and there's prepared food, there's manufactured clothing, people are, I mean, stuff's moving, they're building runways, and the native populations were just, and sometimes, you know, Prince Philip, um, the queen's husband, uh, he showed up at a couple of them. And then after the war, they left. And the people are looking at each other going, we liked the food. We liked the clothing. 
we've got to get it back. And they, to this day, there are three major denominations. I'm not making that up. Um, they will make, they'll create what looks like a desk, and they'll find scraps of paper and leaves that look like paper, and they will sit down and arrange it on the desk, and then go look to see if a ship's coming. Or they will build out of sticks an airplane, and they will march back and forth, trying to find which ritual did these people do that brought the gods here with all of our, we have to find that ritual to this day, the cargo cults. New Guinea and down, you know, Palau and that area. Uh, look it up. It's actually just, there's a lot of information about it. It's, it's fascinating. And I think much of, not just Judaism in that day, I think much of Christianity is a cargo cult. If we go through certain procedures in a certain way, then God has to bless us. God is not in your pocket. He's on your side, but he doesn't work for you. Remember that. Um, one of the most chilling uh, stories in the Old Testament to me, may not be to you, but it really is to me, the night before the big battle, Joshua, who's not afraid of anything, walks out to be alone, and he sees a mighty man standing there, and Joshua already knows, I'm afraid of this guy. And you'll never find Joshua afraid before or after this. But he sees this guy, and he drops. And his question is the one I would ask, are you for us, or are you for them? And the answer comes back, not helpful, actually. He says, It neither. depends on my orders. Yeah, he, it depends on my orders. Yeah, he says, <laughs> neither. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. In other words, not, are you on my side? The question is, are you going to be on his because the army's going to move. And I'm getting chill bumps now. It's just, it's staggering to think of this. It's, God is not under our control. Which is good. Because if he was, a lot of people wouldn't get mercy. Because we wouldn't like him giving them mercy. I did a little Facebook experiment about four years ago. I was quite disappointed, frankly. I put up, what if you get to heaven and find that God has decided to save everybody. What would be your reaction? It was amazing to me how many Christians wrote that they would felt cheated because they did all this work and those people just had fun and they got the same thing. And I'm going, all right, that's insane. That's just insane. Um, why would we begrudge anyone else getting mercy? Now, if I, if I walk in heaven and I see Hitler, I've got some questions. I do. But if God says it's up to me who I save, okay. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? Say, no, I'm not staying here anymore. What else? What are my other options? No. Uh, I, by the way, I'm, I'm not a universalist, but I'm really close. Uh, because God has shown such mercy to me, and he shows mercy. That's what he does. Uh, in fact, isn't that what... Um, uh, Couple, what Jonah says when he goes, I knew you're going to forgive him. <laughs> Why did you even send me here? Take the way old detour. Because no matter what I do, you're going to save him. And I'm going, Why is that a problem? But anyway, yes, please. I'm, I'm bothered. No, no. Nineveh and Cornelius are two interesting situations, are they not? <laughs> I heard Cornelius the first Nineveh. Oh, Nineveh yes. and Cornelius. Yeah, but, you know, Peter was going, I'm too holy to follow your command, God. <laughs> No, I need you to do this. No, no, I'm too righteous. You're not going to trick me, God. 
Really? But yes. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, what he said is if you, if you begin to think about how many stars there are, how many galaxies there are, there's just not that many of us. It is, one of these days I'm just going to do a sermon where we're going to do some flybys and some slides to try to give you a concept of where we are in the universe and how big it is. I'm just going to say right now it's really big. <laughs> but it's hard to illustrate it. How infinitesimal earth is think about it and we're not even in the center of the universe we're in the boonies we're in a bad neighborhood um a lot of bad things have happened look at the pockmarks on the moon and, and mars and in our deserts and such it's a it's a violent place we're in um and i don't know that i can you know throw a moral to you right now but just be aware god even letting us know he was there is merciful Yes, Dale. Yes, now. Matthew 20, yes. Yes, and the reason I didn't bring that up before, he was talking about the, the parable of the workers in the field. Remember, some worked 12 hours and some just worked one. I'm asking about what if they, what if you paid somebody that didn't work? Have you ever given money to a homeless person and somebody else get angry at you? It's like, Really? My favorite example of that was J.R.R. Tolkien, and um, um, his name just went away, uh, C.S. Lewis, were, were buddies, although they, Tolkien was just rigid. <laughs> he, was, he was difficult. And, um, the, but they ate together every day. They had discussions around a table, a very famous table. But they were walking across the quad, which is an inner courtyard of the universities there. They have them everywhere. And a, a beggar came up and asked him, and, and immediately Jack, C.S. Lewis, reached in his pocket and just grabs and, and handed him money. Tolkien was incensed. He said, you, sh you shouldn't encourage such a man. And Jack goes, why? And he goes, he's just going to, and Tolkien said, he's just going to spend it on tobacco and drink. He walked on a little bit longer, and C.S. Lewis said, well, that's what I was going to spend it on. It's one of the greatest exchanges of all time. He scattered those who are proud. He's brought down rulers, lifted up the humble. I think we don't stress that one enough. I don't know who you are. I don't know what your sins are. I, I don't. I don't need to know. Well, I will tell you this. If you've been baptized into Christ, you are a priest. Amen. And you are a child of the king. Amen. Uh, we let our little girls play princess. I don't know why the little boys don't want to play prince. But they don't tend to. Uh, I think we need to stress that prince and princess a little bit more, that priesthood a little bit more, because the lowliest person on earth is equal to the highest person on earth if they both love Jesus. Amen. And if the highest person doesn't believe Jesus, the lowliest person is higher. Lift up the humble. Wow. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Now, that one's a little difficult for us if you're trying to make that a rule across all things. No, she's not saying the hungry will never be hungry and the rich will now be poor. What she's saying is he's turned his eyes to the poor and he will pour good things in their life. The rich don't even know they need him. 
Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever, have you ever gone out on one of those door knocking campaigns or something like that? I hated those, but my dad made us do it all the time. Yeah, in, in Breton, we had these uh, mail slots. You all have mailboxes? Yeah, mail slots. So you, you put them through. Uh, and so we'd knock, and if nobody was home, we'd just put them through. Whenever he'd give me a street or something, I'd go, right. I would never knock. I would just, you know, just kind of. And I was one time putting it through, and a lady opened the door. That was an awkward moment. She goes, can I help you? And I went, all right. If you shut the door, I'll finish putting this thing through. Now, I never told my dad, and he's dead now, so he's probably hearing it in heaven and getting quite upset. But you know that door knocking among the rich is useless. They, they have no interest. You, I, I believe the, the rich people have a soul and somebody needs to reach them, but it's not going to be me. Um, it's the poor people who know they have need of him. And poor doesn't just mean hungry and dollars, the poor in spirit. People have been broken down a bit. You know, uh, Christians can suffer depression and anxiety and um, despair. And God pays attention and he lifts us up right. in his eyes. In, in his eyes, even if not in ours. First John says, yes. Maybe one of the greatest curses of any generation ever is the affluence, the resources of the Western world in this day. Yeah. About three Christmases ago at my desk, I just had, I just vowed to God, would it have been better if I had been born an Abyssinian slave with my rib cage like that of a hungry dog, but loving you than to go to hell from America as a fat preacher. That was my words to him. Yep, I get it. I really do. Um, having stuff, what happens to you when you have stuff? You have to take care of stuff. It, it requires more and more, right? Um, and then, then you want more stuff. You have to buy stuff to take care of your stuff. And then you have to insure your stuff. So you have to get another job for your stuff. It, the price of ownership, absolutely. I, I, I rent cars whenever I'm flown around here there to speak. I've never washed a rental car. I've never changed its oil. I, nah, because I don't own it. My stuff cost me. I, I have stayed up through the night fighting a computer problem a few years ago. I was using DOS Windows. And the next morning was just sitting back looking at it. I finally put it all back together and gotten the computer working. And Cammie came down, I hadn't been in bed all night, and I looked at her and I said, I just spent 15 hours fixing a problem that is supposed to make my life easier. And, and we, we started the discussion from there. Um, he's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. And I love that phrase. Remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I, I ask God to remember things. And one of the things I ask him the most is I say, please remember, it's hard down here. It's really hard down here. You know, I don't see everything. They don't see everything. They're really struggling. I don't know what to say or do here. Just ask Jesus. It's really hard down here. And I have no problem talking to God like that because I've read the Psalms. He 
heard the cries of the children in Egypt enslaved, and he remembered what he had told Abraham. Yep. So much we can say. How many times that happened in the Old Testament when they would take the gods of their neighbors and then in, in, in their death, in their just depth of, the, of damage and destruction, they would cry out for his mercy, he would remember and send them a deliverer. Yep. This, this young lady knows some stuff. She knows her history. She knows her scripture. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. We, can, we got a, a couple of minutes to, to open up on the birth of, of John. It was time for Elizabeth to have her baby. She gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. But again, she had been barren. In those days... If, the, if um, the woman did not conceive, it was considered the woman's failure uh, because they did not understand that men have a seed and women have a seed. They thought only man has a seed and her job is to cook it and deliver it. So she was failing a husband. And it was a... Now, God never said that, by the way, ever. This was society saying it. God never treated women like that. Society did. So God goes and finds women like this, like, like Hannah, uh, like Mary, like, um, well, not Mary so much here, Elizabeth, and gives them a baby in her old age. And when she has a baby, she refers to that as an act of mercy from God. Because God has shown favor to the one that the, please remember this, God often shows favor to the very ones we stick our nose up at. Should be some humility there, I think. Did you? Well, you're just saying yes. Okay, I wanted to wait. Um, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. Uh, and we'll I will stop right there. Just a, a little science, and then we may hold up here. I think we will, and, and we'll talk about how he was named after. Uh, so don't read ahead. Spoiler. Um, they circumcised on the eighth day. Why? Well, because God said so. Let's just say that first. However, there were really good medical reasons. We found out later. Couple. One, does it hurt the baby? I've had people say, no, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. But the thing is, an eight-day-old baby does not have um, pain locators assigned yet. There's a general, I am unhappy. Uh, it takes years to get those, by the way. If your three-year-old comes in and they say they have a sore tummy, look in their throat. Because sore throat feels the same as a sore tummy at three. It takes about another year and a half for them to, to crystallize and get in there. Your brain continues to, to grow physically until 12, 13 years old. And then it, it continues to grow internally with connections the rest of your life if you do it right. Uh, or are blessed in that way. Again... So the pain is generalized, which means little hands won't grab the pain area. They'll just kind of... But also, they used to call it vitamin K. There is no vitamin K. It's not a vitamin. There's a clotting factor in, in blood, which is highest. It, it peaks somewhere between 3 days and 12 days after birth. You are less likely to bleed to death at that moment than the rest of your life. And so the clotting factor is high, the pain is diffused and quickly forgotten, 
And people say, well, why circumcise at all? Well, again, God said so, but in the days before hot water, lots of soaps and the like, this, um, the Jewish women did not have all kinds of uterine issues, ovarian cancer and such that are caused by unclean men because God removed one of those, uh, one of those issues. Do we have to circumcise today? No, no, you don't. Um, a lot of people still do, and um, I, there's still medical reasons for it, but you don't have to. We got, we got hot water now. <laughs> you, you, if you're smart, you can sort yourself out, right? Uh, again, I just find that again, those little scientific blips. Eighth day, it's the safest day you got, basically. You're right in the sweet spot of the highest clotting factor. All right, it's, your medical education is now complete. Uh, go hang your shingle and practice, and I'll see you next week. Cheerio, bye.